Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. Drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Alvey's going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzie Alvey. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for an inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I have been a member of the staff since 2015 and the deputy site manager since 2018. Joining me as often on the Road to Atlanta podcast is you can follow him over on Twitter at Braves MILB. One Garrett Spain. Garrett, how are you, man? Doing good, doing good. I hope your holidays were well. Uh, you had to eat lots of food. Uh, I hope that all of our listeners were the same. They traveled safe. They enjoyed their time with their families. Uh, this is obviously come, the podcast kind of in the wake of Thanksgiving, I think is the best way to describe that. It's not exactly right after. Normally, what we were trying to do is kind of keep this on a relatively regular schedule and, you know, round out our review series for the different levels of the minor leagues. Uh, I will say and I will freely admit that we've been kind of desperately trying to postpone this one because other than a few key players, of which there are, there are a few key players. Uh, this uh, particular one is a bit of a rough episode. Uh, I imagine it might run a little bit shorter than others. Uh, but when we review the Augusta Green Jackets, the Braves Low A affiliate, as well as the rookie ball candidates, uh, you know, with some of the notable draftees that had some appearances down there. But I was very fortunate to be able to present the opportunity to interview Brian Cusick, the Braves first round pick from the 2021 draft. And I, instead of doing that, the review last week, I took that opportunity to re- interview Ryan and get that posted into the feed straight away. So if you haven't listened to that episode, it's really worth a listen because Ryan was great and we had a great time kind of talking pitching and kind of his development what changes he's made he was really open about not again not just kind of the basic soundbite stuff but like really getting into the nitty-gritty about pitching and kind of what changes he had to make to be successful and get where he where he ended up being and you know I I, after that episode it is kind of one of those things where you realize that the guys that are coming out of that Wake Forest pitching program really have a strong grasp of kind of like the science behind pitching and kind of what they need to do to be succeed as pros. Well, obviously we have to wait and see is when that, that pans out. But for a guy who's already throwing over triple digits and is constantly looking for ways to improve his game and to be better on the mound, it was really a great thing to kind of hear Tim talking about hit pitching, kind of what he's trying to work on. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that and download that episode, make sure you go do so. That was the last week's episode. 
But Garrett, that is not where we're here. But we're going to talk a little bit about Ryan because he was on the Augusta Green Jackets this week, or this year rather. But we're going to be talking about the Augusta Green Jackets and the Florida Coast League now, Braves. Now, Garrett, these were not, you know, full disclosure, these were not good baseball teams. Uh, the Augusta Green Jackets finished third in their division out of four. Uh, and frankly, at times they looked worse than that. Uh, other times they had their moments. You know, there were certainly guys that made their start that we've already talked about in this particular review series. You know, Spencer Strider got his start in Augusta. Darius Vines got his start there. A few of the other offensive players. Vaughn Grissom was playing there for a long time. So there were certainly interesting prospects on the Augusta Green Jackets, and I don't want to disparage them at whatsoever. And I don't want to disparage the players that were playing in low, low A, and I think that you'll speak to this as well, is that what we saw in low A – was probably the worst quality of play period. And it wasn't just the Augusta Green Jackets, just league-wide that it seems like coming off COVID and that shutdown that the what we saw was a really poor level of play in the low levels of the minors. And while we didn't get to see much of what happened in, in complex ball uh, with the Florida Coast League Braves, based on like just one, the numbers, and two, some of the things that we were hearing, it seems like that that layoff really impacted a lot of these guys, particularly the young guys who didn't get a chance to participate in the alternate site and just kind of not being around organized baseball. So, I mean, would you kind of concur with that? Just kind of what we saw is just kind of like the low minors was just really, really tough this year. Yeah, it, it was – there was a lot of sloppy play that just, you know – at those levels, there tends to be sloppy play, but it was on a level that we're not really used to seeing professionals play that way. And you can tell that kind of that lack of having that year of coaching, these guys just weren't, these guys weren't at the level we're accustomed to seeing full season league, full season league players. Yeah. I mean, and again, this is coming from a guy that, I mean, I watch a lot of, a lot of low A baseball up until this past year, because that's what the Rome Braves were. And that's the closest affiliate to me. And that was one of the easiest places for me to find, you know, live baseball to watch. It was just one of the easiest places for me to get to. And just the quality of play in general just seemed lower this year. And I think that a lot of it wasn't these guys' fault, if we're just being honest. I think that there was a lot of, you know, complications coming off COVID, uh, combined with the fact that, you know, we didn't have that kind of that deeper draft class from the 2020 draft. And a lot of those guys already got – the guys who were of high quality were already well past low A. So we just didn't have that kind of that depth of, like, you know, like interesting, you know, day three high school talent or day three college talent to kind of fill out the talent at the bottom parts of the ro- of the roster. So there's a lot of undrafted free agents down in there in Augusta, a lot of undrafted free agents and international free agents that weren't, you know, particularly high-profile guys down there in, in the FCL. So it was, a, it was a weird situation that we found ourselves in, except for a big chunk of the season that the teams were not very good. Uh, again, there were some interesting players, and we're going to talk about several of those players on this podcast. But the the overarching thing, and I think that when we were even doing our just the weekly shows during the season, is that we were always kind of a dreading talking about Augusta, and it was because that just it, a lot of times it was just really rough. I mean, this is a team that walked twenty times in a game and lost, right? Like this is this is a really tough a really tough team to watch at times. So I. But I do want to stress that one. I don't think that's like the organization's fault. I think there's just a lot of weirdness that comes from coming off of that COVID season 
uh, as well as like kind of the shortened draft that they were. So there's like a different pool of talent that you were pulling from. So this seems like an anomaly. I don't expect this just to be the case going forward, but we do want to make sure that we're highlighting guys and we give you guys something to think about. I know that during this, you know, this lockout as the CBA negotiations are going on, people are just desperately wanting to talk about something about baseball related that isn't, you know, whether or not the we're actually going to have a season in 2022. And if so, when will it start? You know, when will Freddie Freeman sign and all that stuff? We want to give you guys some of that, that content too. Unfortunately, this won't be the most talent laden podcast. And if you want to go back and look at our previous reviews of the other minor league levels, I would highly recommend that you do so because there's definitely, a lot of the more prospects that you were more familiar with and some of the guys that I think we're more high on, that's going to be where you're going to find our reviews of those guys. We're not going to be talking very much about Spencer Strider here, Darius Fines, Vaughn Grissom. Those were just, they played elsewhere. We'll make sure we touch on Vaughn Grissom because I think that we didn't really touch on them that much at Rome and he spent the bulk of his time with Augusta, so we'll make sure we spend some time there. But beyond that, you know, again, there's going to be some guys that we're kind of have our eyes on, uh, a couple good players, as well as some guys that, you know, from this draft class that have kind of caught our eye as well. So before we, I guess we'll just go ahead and preface this. The first we're going to do is we're going to talk about pitchers as a group. Uh, we'll do our best to kind of talk about the pitchers, the starters, and then we'll talk about relievers that were interesting to us. And then we'll take a quick break, and we're going to talk about the position players after that. And that's going to be kind of grouping those both with, with Augusta and the rookie ball guys. So, Garrett, start us off talking to us a little bit about the starters that kind of got your attention. Uh, obviously, there's a couple big names that we can mention here before we kind of get into some of the more speculative ones. So who on this Augusta staff got your attention? I think for everybody, you know, the most impressive player really in the most impressive player in that pitcher in that league was Joe Yessis all year long. And, you know, he was a guy that I think we kind of had, you know, reservations about coming into the season and he came out and he showed development. You know, he's one of the few guys that even though he wasn't at the alternate site last year, you could see significant development in his pitching and the way he approached in just in his pure stuff and you know as the year went on he was a guy that kept getting better he didn't really wear down as the season went on and it it was one of the more impressive teenage seasons we've seen out of a player at low a and now it's kind of again it's kind of hard to judge because it was a kind of a down year talent wise but you know and so maybe the strikeout rate isn't you know, it looks spectacular. He struck out 127 guys in 99 innings. You know, it's not quite, you know, he wasn't that spectacular in terms of there were just more strikeouts than we normally see. But he was a guy that he commanded his stuff a lot better than pretty much anybody else in the league. He was getting out consistently. He was the most impressive pitcher at the lower levels of the system. Um, beyond that, no one that did well at that level stayed there very long. Anybody, you know, Vines, Strider, those guys that pitched well got moved up fairly quickly. They got moved out of Rome. You know, the guys that uh, got moved up into Rome, you know, the guys that pitched a good, pitched a decent amount was Ryan Cusick was really fantastic, you know, kind of what we expected. I mean, he's a college guy with power stuff. You know, we expected him to come out and dominate. He did that. 34 strikeouts in 16 and third innings was, I mean, that's, Absurd numbers. Um, Dylan Dodd was maybe not quite as good as we had hoped. He kind of seemed to run into trouble as he went deeper into games. Uh, overall, he was, you know, don't want to draw too much out of, you know, an 11 inning sample in a draft year. He wasn't fantastic, but, you know, he showed stuff and he showed the promise that made him a third round pick. One of the more impressive guys and then one of the more impressive guys from this most recent draft class was Andrew Hoffman. Um, he was 11th round pick and we didn't know a ton about him 
immediately after the draft. But I think the more we dug in on him, kind of watching video and seeing what he had, I think a lot, I think the group as a whole really started to like him. He looked really, really good at Rome. I mean, at Augusta this year. Um, he's a guy that I'm not sure if he is going to start long term. I don't know if he's going to be able to stay in a rotation long term, but the stuff is there for him to be a good reliever and the stuff, you know, if he makes progression with the third pitch, there's a guy that could be a starter as well down the road. So he looked really, really good. He's a guy that we're going to be watching really, really closely next year to see what he has, you know, and then, you know, the guys that kind of struggled at low a, um, Rodri Munoz really impressed us that first start. And then he kind of started to fall off and he never really got healthy after that. And so we don't, it was kind of a weird season for him where he came out and he immediately blew our, you know, blew our socks off and then we got nothing else out of him. Jared Johnson looked really, really bad at low A. He looked really good, really good in the uh, FCL. So, you know, it was just clear that he wasn't really ready for that level when they made that promotion. He got promoted again at the end of the year and looked better. Still not great, but he did look better. Um, another guy that I think we all had fairly high hopes on coming into the season was Tyler Owens. Uh, yep. He pitched six games, didn't really look all that good. Then he got hurt in early June and just never came back. And so that's a guy we assume he will repeat next year. Uh, that's a guy that we kind of want to see, you know, he's a small, he's an undersized guy. You know, there's questions about, you know, a third pitch. And so he's a guy that you wonder how long, you know, with an injury like that, how long is he, going to stay as a starter and that's not really clear you know he's still young he's 20 years old so they're going to give him more chances but you know it was he was probably one of the more disappointing prospects overall in just kind of getting hurt and not coming back um in the fcl there wasn't all that much in terms of like pitchers that perform that well um guys that we like a lot were um AJ Smith Shaver, which you know got drafted this year out of high school, was a later round pick, but went well over slot. You know, had a lot of command issues down there, but struck out a lot of guys, and the stuff seemed to be looking good. And that's a guy that you're patient on. He he's raw, and you just have to be patient on him. And seeing him, seeing the stuff perform well, is a good sign. And we'll just slowly but surely try to see if the command starts to play better. Adam Shoemaker didn't have a, you know, was another late round pick out of high school, didn't have a great season, really didn't pitch a ton. But, you know, again, another guy that had command issues, another guy that's very, very raw, and there's just nothing that you can really take out of, you know, a seven inning example or whatever it was for him. It just was not enough info to really gather anything out of. But he's a guy that we like a lot and that we're looking forward to. We just know that he's not there yet. And the performance kind of showed that. Yeah. Uh, this was a tough, uh, a tough year for pitching. Uh, I do want to echo, obviously Joey Estes was really, really good this year. Uh, you had a little bit of an injury thing late in the season. I'm a little bit curious to kind of what was going on with that, but overall just, you know, was really, really good. Had that complete game where he looked absolutely dominant. Um, Ryan Cusick did look good. Uh, I will say in talking to Ryan, it seemed like he was <laughs> just to, to what he was, his approach was is that he was working on things a little bit, you know, working on using his slider or, you know, potentially incorporating a changeup. 
But what he wanted to be do is just kind of make sure that he could always fall back on his fastball to get out, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, it sounded like he was kind of spiking more sliders than he liked, and he was, again, just kind of trying some things different, you know, different arm, ang- different arm angles, trying to kind of figure out exactly where he wants to spot that pitch and where he can try to get swings on it. But at the end of the day, he can always just, if that, that's not working, he can always just go back to that fastball of his and just get strikeouts. And that's exactly, again, what he did for Augusta. It's just, you know, you know, maybe if he walked a guy or maybe if he'd like the, the other stuff wasn't really working, he'd just always go back to that fastball and, you know, blow it, blow it by guys. And I, he has a lot of confidence in that pitch and with good reason. Um, now a couple of guys whose fastballs intrigue me and are flawed for different re- and different and unique reasons on their own, uh, are two guys that you mentioned. Uh, Rodery Munoz is a guy, again, he throws, you know, close to 100 miles an hour, uh, if not over. And, you know, he just doesn't really know where it's going and, you know, had a lot of trouble getting staying healthy this year. You know, when a guy throws that hard, I, I personally think he ends up being a reliever at this point. But at the same time, he's he's young enough where you kind of, you know, are willing to let him try to be a starter and develop into that role. But again, you know, when a guy throws that hard, that's a really interesting relief prospect at the very at the very least. Um, and then Jared Johnson's a tough one because. On paper, if you're just looking at how hard he throws, and again, it's like mid to upper 90s, you're like, wow, this could be a really interesting arm, and it's a guy who had a, a certain amount of, of success as an amateur, but, and again, 6'2", 225, he looks the part, but that fastball is very straight and very flat. The secondaries are not very good, and even though he was throwing that hard, he seemed really in, easy to time up, and it just seemed like everyone got a good look at his pitches as they were coming. And I don't know if that means that he needs to, you know, change his delivery to maybe be a little more deceptive or to figure out a way to get more spin on the ball. But he, it did not look like he was throwing hard. And he didn't look like he was fooling guys when he was throwing to them. So there's kind of two different takes on, like, guys who, like, kind of in theory, the the base level stuff is good. But what didn't happen was kind of that development of kind of, like, you know, one in Rodery's case is going to be able to command the ball and ultimately being able to stay on the mound. But also in Jared's case, it just seemed very, very hittable. Uh, it just seemed like he was staring really, really flat. Uh, I do want to make a, one note here. Uh, Joe Necro's son, JJ Necro, was a pitcher, uh, for, for the FCL Braves and pitched actually pretty well this year. But, um, you know, the two guys, Smith Schauver, the reports that we're getting is that he's like already throwing upper nineties and the stuff looks really, really good. He struck out a whole bunch of guys. I'm really, really curious to see kind of what he looks like. I suspect they're going to move him straight into low A next year and he'll, you know, be able to kind of, once that he has that off season, now we kind of get into a weird area of how much, what kind of off season he's going to have because of the lockout, what kind of coaching he's going to be getting and what kind of off season program he's in. But I like that the projection on that kid. I think that that was a really smart pick by the Braves, especially based on what the early returns on that are. Shoemaker might take a little bit longer. I mean, we're talking about a kid who's 6'6", 205, and was a raw arm out of Canada anyway, but that's a live arm, real arm speed, can throw the ball hard. The secondaries aren't there yet. The, obviously, the command wasn't there yet in a very small sample. But 6-6, throw it as hard as he can from the left side. You're going to give a kid like that a chance to you know, really surprise you. I am hopeful that he will be able to get there. He, he is a guy that may not start in full season ball next year. It's just kind of a guess that I would have. Maybe he just starts an extended spring, and then maybe he makes his way to Augusta after that. But you know, in terms of like pure potential, it's another kid who has a, a ton, a ton of potential. Uh, going forward beyond that I mean again it was just a tough year pitching wise we saw spurts from guys like Chad Bryant Alec Barger 
Um, uh, even uh, Rodri, Rodri's uh, brother, uh, Roldy was, you know, had moments here and there and, you know, you know, Ben Thompson had, had good moments in relief, but overall it was just kind of a tough, a lot of walks, not always the best stuff either. I, I'm glad that you highlighted Andrew Hoffman. I thought he looked really, really good. I suspect they might be a little bit aggressive with him, and then they might figure out pretty quickly as to whether or not he's going to be, you know, a starter or a reliever going forward. But I think that stuff, I think you're right, it's going to play in either position. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. We went ahead through and we kind of talked a little bit about, and again, I might give Garrett a chance to talk about some relievers if he wants to once we come back from our break. But we're going to kind of, after that, we're going to move on to the position player side where we're going to talk a little bit about the position players that we saw in Augusta as well in rookie ball before. But until then, we'll take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Garrett, are you wanting to uh, touch on any relievers before we move on to the position player side, or do you feel like we kind of covered um, you guys the least? Yeah, I, I mean, relief in Augusta was like the worst part of that team, which is kind of impressive. The only player that kind of, really stood out for me in that well uh, two players and you know i have the one justin yeager we talked about him a bit at rome yep. live arm not a ton of command there uh you know he's an interesting arm definitely if he can rein in the command a little bit very live arm the one guy that we want to talk about is dylan Spain. i know no i'm not coming. gonna get out of it i mean it's a f- ridiculous story you know finding him out of nowhere in hawaii just showing up to an open tryout 10th round pick and he went to Augusta and didn't allow a single run in 11 and two thirds innings. Well, he didn't allow, he allowed a couple of inherited runners to score. So we'll be fair, but he looked, I mean, he looked good. The slider is really, really good. Um, you know, it is again, you know, that's a guy that he is, he is 23. So he does have to move reasonably quickly, but I mean, that, that is a guy that does have major league potential. Um, and, to get him the way that they did for basically nothing is really, really impressive. And, you know, he's a guy that we're going to see next year. And if he performs, he's a guy that, you know, I don't think that he's a guy that's going to fly through the system because he really is still fairly raw, even given his age. But he's a guy that as long as he performs, they'll keep moving him up. And he, I mean, he looked really, really good. And you can't complain about how he performed in his first year. Yeah, he looked the part, and a guy that like wasn't even playing last year, he just kind of shows up for an open tryout uh, after 
the last time he was rostered was on University of Hawaii Hilo. Uh, I know that our own Wayne Cavati was livid that like he just didn't have information on the guy uh, because he's. If, for those who aren't aware, Wayne Cavati is like if you're looking for D2 sports like gurus, that's Wayne uh, in terms of like writing for NCAA.com and like like the, he is really well connected. And when when Wayne doesn't know about a D2 guy, it tells you about kind of where that guy's stock was and kind of how it, how out of nowhere he came to really impress the Braves and ultimately get selected with a pick. Uh, is certainly an older guy uh, and is certainly going to have to kind of move quickly if he's going to make it. But the stuff looked right. The stuff looked legit. And I, I'm with you. I think that there's a chance that he could turn it into something. And when you're talking about that as your 10th round pick, like, you know, that's the guy that you're like, you signed it for no money and just kind of trying to use to save some slot while also having an interesting guy in your system. You take that 10 times out of 10. So we're going to talk first about catchers. Now, on Augusta, we have Tyler Tolvey as well as Adam Zabrowski, uh, and then a slew of guys who saw time at catcher uh, for the Florida Complex League Braves. So uh, talk to us a little bit about the catchers that you kind of that have kind of got your notice and if anyone in particular uh, is interesting to you. Well, you did not mention Ricardo Rodriguez. I am – I have – He's a free agent. I there's only I, so much I can. Okay, okay. He's he's probably he's probably not going to turn into anything, but he hits the ball hard, and it's I don't expect much out of him, but he hits the ball hard. He's fairly fun to watch. Again, who knows if he will even be in the uh, system next year? Tyler Tolvey, late round pick. Um, he hit really well at Augusta, but he struck out quite a bit. Uh, you know, he's again, you know, he's a guy that could be you know backup role at the major league level if he gets there. You know, there, I don't think that there's enough in that bat def- or defensively for him to, like, really be a starter at the level, especially given the catching talent in this particular system. But a guy that – I mean, he's a young for a college bat, and he could be a guy that gets to the major league level in some capacity, um, not a guy that's, like, I'm hugely high on. But, you know, there is talent there. Um, on the catching side in the – Complex League, we had Antonio Barranca, who had like a really good week and then really struggled down the stretch. And there were some decent reports out of him in terms of, you know, kind of the power that he had, that power that he could have. He's just, he's raw. He's 19. He's young. He might not be 19 anymore, but this was his year 19 season. Um, and, you know, there is some talent there, whether it turns into anything. Who really knows there, but there's, he's worth mentioning in some capacity. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's worth noting too, like Zabrowski is the guy that when he was drafted, he again drafted out of a small college league, but hit a bunch of tanks when he was there. So uh, there's certainly some power, some upside there. It's worth being a little bit skeptical of that. Uh, but the Braves seem to know Tolvi really well as well. He's a guy that, uh, you know, played at Kennesaw State, you know, is a local guy, local guy that it seems like, you know, when the Braves, you know, grab a guy like that, it seems like they know well, maybe there's a chance that he turns into something. Uh, you know, I don't want to necessarily bag too much on Ricardo. It just seems like he's been lurking in the low minors forever. Uh, ever since he was traded from the San Diego Padres, I believe that's what that trade was. It was either that or an Angels trade. I can't remember offhand, but I'm pretty sure it was a Padres trade. Uh, and you know, he's kind of a, a raw talent that, you know, again, he does hit the ball hard. But it just has never been able to stay healthy. He's never been able to kind of take the step to actually being something. Um, is now a minor league free agent, and we'll see what happens in terms of whether or not the Braves bring him back, or if you know he ends up joining another organization. My suspicion is that another organization 
will bring him in and see if they can't turn him into something. But there's only so much time that guy like a guy like that has uh, to kind of make an impact on any organization, really. So now we move on to the infielders. Uh, definitely an interesting group. There's some guy, and there's one guy in particular that I already know who you're going to talk about. But um, there's uh, really some. There's there are some talented guys here in the infield, particularly on the Augusta roster. They didn't necessarily show a ton this year, but they are still interesting prospects in their own right. So talk to us a little bit about kind of the infielders that caught your eye. Yeah, well, we'll come back to the. We'll make the grand finale the one that we all want to talk about. Um, and Augusta's oh infield. All the way around was really fairly good. Uh, Kay Bennell got on base a ton this year. Uh, he hit for p- decent power for, you know, a guy that can play second base. Uh, he looked yeah, good, he, except he, for he, was a, he, was, he struck out a ton. And this is going to be a hitter, he was good, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a theme going forward. A lot of these guys struck out a ton, The que- you know, and a lot of these guys are older. So the question is, well, for most of these guys, they probably will never hit enough to make it. And – that is a concern. But you have to wonder, you know, with the year off, will those strikeout rates stabilize next year and kind of what will you see of these guys? Bunnell is a guy that when he comes back next year, uh, we assume he's going to get promoted. He's 24, so if he doesn't get promoted, that tells you what you need to know about him. But that's a guy he drew a ton of walks this year. He is a patient hitter. He has good power. Will those strikeouts stabilize as he kind of gets back from having all that time off? A guy like him, a guy like um, Landon Stevens, who hit for a ton of power this year. Landon Stevens played mostly right field, didn't he? He kind of played right field and first base, didn't he? I, I, he rough kind of I definitely saw him slotted into the DH spot a decent bit, too. So yeah, that's kind yeah, of a, yeah. So, you know, that, that whole – that lo- yeah, there's, there's, there were some, you know, like Willie Carter getting moved around a little bit. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, – just trying to make the uh, the lineups work at Augusta is the kindest way I know to describe it. So yeah, those guys, you know, they struck out a ton, and that's a, obviously a major concern. And if, but they're all guys that do, you know, for guys that a lot of these guys were picked up as extremely late round picks, you know, undrafted free agents, they did fairly well for what they were, and and I'm not like completely like giving up on them. They're not guys that I consider top 30 prospects, but they're guys that if they hit a little bit, that could be a guy that could come off the bench in the future. Um, beyond that, uh, Cal Conley was a high, a fairly high pick this year. Uh, he did not do all that well. He kind of had flashes of times where he would hit, but he didn't overall, his debut season wasn't that great. Um, Justin Henry Malloy was really bad to start off with and then got scorching hot at the end and ended up hitting really, really well in his first season. That's, I think, I think that's our second best prospect on that team. Um, the pit tool is a real question. How much of an impact will he be able to make with the bat? He hit very well. He, you know, coming from a, you know, major division one program at Georgia Tech, he should hit low A pitching. And it's good to see, you know, at the beginning, it was kind of a little bit weird that he wasn't hitting. And then he turned it in and kind of hit where we expected. He had a little bit over an 800 OPS, really looked good. The player for that team, though, from beginning until, you know, he got promoted to Rome for a couple of weeks was Von Grissom. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, he was good, very good for, you know, a 20 year old at low a he was very good and then he got hurt for a little bit and then he came back and he was pretty much the best player in the system for the last half of the season and you know he the question you know the only question we had was you know he didn't really he produced power in spurts but didn't consistently produce power 
Outside of that, his defense looked improved. Whether he stays at short is a real question mark, but there is the potential for him to be a super utility type player and a step forward defensively with his gloves. And the Braves have done this with guys in the past. If that glove does take a step forward, that's a guy that can stick at shortstop. And he definitely has the bat to, if he does stick at shortstop, he has the bat to be kind of an impact player at that position because he doesn't strike. He puts the ball in play a ton. He's got a good strikes. He's got a good feel for the strike zone. He can get overly aggressive at times, but it seems like he knows the strike zone and it's just about being a little more selective here and there. You can't complain about, but you can't complain about the amount that he walked, the amount that he consistently hit all year long. And as he kind of seemed to put, as the year went on, he put more power in. He never really got to the point to where he was like crushing the ball, but you saw times where it started to pick up towards the end. I mean, overall, you know, he was really the best hitter in the system overall this year. And that's, I mean, there were a lot of guys in the system that hit really well. And he was the guy that stood out, you know, by a very wide margin um, on this team. He didn't stand out in the system by a wide margin, but on Augusta and this low levels, he stood out by a very wide margin for what he did. Um, you know, on the, on the complex side, the infield wasn't, all that great. You know, Makai Baxter, we kind of had hoped would really put it together this year and he just didn't have a great season. And, you know, that's a guy that I don't think, you know, he may sneak in our top 30 next year, but he's not going to be high. Like we've had him in the past. He's definitely going to go down quite a bit. And that's, that's, I guess one of those guys that you put in, that's kind of was a disappointing player for us. Uh, Caleb Durbin hit very well. Uh, he was a later round pick could place, you know, up the middle defensively. He hit decently, not a ton of power, you know, in his debut season, but it's a very small sample in a debut season. Don't read too much into it. He did decently well, I think. Yeah, I do have a couple notes on some of these guys. Um, you know, I did like this, what I saw from Justin Henry Malloy in terms of, you know, his, uh, like kind of the, the latter part of his pro debut. Uh, I think Cal Connolly is going to be fine. I think he'll be a reasonable hitter. Um, and, you know, Makai is a tough situation because, like, you, you see the body, you see the athletic ability, and it's, he's a really easy kid to dream on. When he hits home runs, he does not hit cheapies. He hits tanks. And, you know, the, the problem being is just that the hit tool just wasn't there. And, you know, the, the weird thing is that when he made his debut in rookie ball, you know, when, after he was drafted, he hit really, really well. So I think that's a kid that really got impacted by COVID, the, the COVID year. And I think that kind of getting another, year of, you know, getting some coaching, you know, getting back into the swing of things. I am hopeful that that doesn't, you know, completely derail him. Um, and again, at 6'5", 220, he is really, really strong. And, you know, he's pretty much limited to first base, so he's really going to have to hit. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not writing him off. But at the same time, I think we were, I think we were a little bit too, we were too aggressive in kind of where we were, were ranking him and we we're going to have to make some adjustments there. But, uh, Caleb Durbin, I don't think that's a guy that's ever going to hit for power. He's already a pretty small guy coming from a small school, uh, Washington, St. Louis, but is a guy that like scouts I talk to, they just think that kid can flat out hit. And they really want to, they're really keeping an eye on him and they're really hopeful that he can like kind of turn into kind of an interesting, you know, prospect down the, down the line. The guy I want to talk a lot about and I, you know, Obviously, Von Grissom was great, and I don't want to take anything away from him. But oddly enough, the guy that I really want to talk about uh, is um, is Braulio Vasquez. Now, this is a weird, weird profile, right? You know, after a guy who's always hit a little bit, 
uh, and didn't really draw walks, especially through like the first three years of his career. He's been in the Brave system since 2016. He was an international signee, and you know, again, always you know, never really hit for a ton of power. Uh, stole a few bases here and there, hit a bit, uh, and then when he played for Rome, you know, not a ton of plate appearances we're talking about here, like 175 or so. Uh, didn't hit very much, but was drawing more walks. Stole a two a total of two stolen bases for Rome in 2019. Then you look at him in Augusta, where he's repeating the level uh, again after the, after COVID, and he steals 40 bases in 73 games. And it looked like he was on pace to steal like 70 for a while there. Uh, only hits 220. Uh, does hit some home runs. Draws a ton of walks, but hits 220. OPS under 700. Does play all over the infield. He made appearances at first, second, and third, and even pitched a third of an inning uh, for an Augusta team that at times found themselves in desperate need of just being able to get to the end of the games and hopefully that no one got hurt because they were in some pretty, um, I will call, ugly ball games. But definitely a weird case for Braulio. And not one that, I mean, he stole 40 bases this year, and that was 10 more than he had stolen in his career combined from 2016 to 2019. So I'm sure that people are wondering, you know, like he stole all these bases. Is he going to be like this top of the order threat? I'm going to go ahead and say that's highly unlikely. Um, but, you know, for a guy who's been around as I ha- as long as he had, I've kind of forgotten that he's only 22 years old. So there's a chance that he could still turn into something. He was definitely a guy that was involved in some weird Augusta wins where maybe they only had four hits in the whole game, but he stole bases and kind of made some runs happen with his legs. So, the short answer is, I'm not sure Braulio, what Braulio Vasquez is, but he was really entertaining on an Augusta team that at times was very difficult to find entertainment value in. So I, I did want to mention him a little bit, uh, just because he was, um, I think it's fair to say he was, he was definitely a, a very fun case in terms of a weird statistical profile, uh, especially since, you know, coming from us where we've, you know, been, a, we've, we've known of him for a while, uh, as kind of like a known quantity, not a guy who's going to blow us away as a prospect or anything, at least not yet, but it was definitely entertaining to watch at times. Um, so now we're going to go to the outfield, which, uh, oddly enough, I think the best outfield prospect was actually on the FCL this year. So I'm going to go ahead and let you kind of talk about some of these guys and then we'll kind of take this thing home. Yeah, starting with Augusta, I mean, the best player there was, you know, the best outfielder there was Willie Carter. And, you know, he was one of the better players for them all season in terms of, you know, he started out really hot and down, you know, towards the rest of the, you know, the first month he was hitting ridiculous. He was hitting like 330 or something in the first month. And then he was just okay the rest of the year. Definitely not bad. You know, he was one of those guys that, when he he didn't hit a ton of home runs, but when he hit them, he hit them a long way. And he has yeah, legit power yeah, he, if he can hit yeah. even a little bit. He has enough athleticism to play outfield. I don't think that he's you know he's not a, he's definitely not a center fielder. He's not going to be a spectacular outfielder, but he has enough athleticism to play there. He stole 18 bases this year, and you know in 23 attempts. I mean he's he's athletic enough to play in the outfield. He definitely has crazy power. Will he hit enough? Probably not, but th- he hit better than most of the players on that team. And man, when he hit them, it was fun to watch him fly. Um, I think the guy that we kind of another guy that was disappointing was Stephen Paolini. Um, he just struck out a yep. ton this year and he, he didn't hit very well. And 
he's a guy that I th- you know he's 20 years old. He will repeat the level. We assume I, I would assume he repeats the level unless something insane happens in the off season. Um, but there were times where you could see the athleticism. You could see he's a great defender. You know he's going to stick in center field. He can play center field defensively. He can run really well. Occasionally he would hit for a little bit of power, and he's just a project player. And it was not a great debut. There were definitely times that he was overmatched. I think towards the end of the year, there were less of those at bats where you went, this guy does not belong on the field. And that's, you know, not great, but it is progress in that he looked more and more like he was a low A player towards the end of the year, even if it was never great. Um, and so again, another guy that we we're definitely not giving up on, but he's not a guy that's going to come into our top 30 and he he's going to be a guy that it's going to take a lot of progression. He's only 20 years old. There's plenty of time for him to get there. It's just a very hot, it's a very long road to travel at this point for him. Uh, Christian Robinson, uh, got drafted this year. His debut was not all that great. Uh, struck out quite a bit. Didn't really hit for any power. You know, it's kind of been, you know, an issue with him. You know, the raw power is there. How much is he actually produced is, you know, uh, he really has never produced all that much power, even though the body is there for it and the raw power is there. The way his swing is geared, he doesn't lift the ball a ton. He does not hit for a lot of power. So, you know, he's a guy that's another great athlete. There's a ton of potential there. They're just, they need to make some t- tweaks to the swing, to the approach, to where, you know, he can start to tap into the raw power. If he hits enough, that's a guy that could play. He definitely did not do that this year. But again, small sample, right off of a draft year, sometimes weird things happen. Um, on the complex side, Brandon Mosquito had a really, really good year. And he's a guy that I don't, we haven't, we don't talk about a ton. Um, but he, Really, I mean, he crushed the ball this year, and, and there were quite a few strikeouts. Um, but there's a lot of speed in there. Is a guy that could plays good defensively in the outfield. He put the ball in play. I mean, he didn't put the ball in play like a ton, but he did decently well at hitting it. He hit fairly hard, hit the ball fairly hard when he did hit it. it, it there's talent there. You know, another guy, he's 19. There's still a ton of time to grow. I would assume that he is going to be in full season ball next year, and we'll kind of get a better feel once we can kind of watch these guys day in and day out. And that's where we are with a lot of these complex guys. We really have to watch them play every day to see what they are. He's a guy, but he's a guy that he was one of the best players on that team this year and really looked good. But the guy that really stood out for all of us was Tyler Collins, who – got drafted out of high school and went in and just immediately started ripping the ball, you know, and again, not a ton of power showing. I don't think that he'll ever have a ton of power. Uh, just the way his swing is with his body, there's not going to be a ton of power there, but he just hit and he hit from the first game he played to the last game he played. He continued, he hit and he hit and he hit. And as long as he hits, he's going, he's going to stick in center field. He has double plus speed, he can defend out there. If he hits, that is a major league baseball player, and that's a guy that can start in center field. You know, as long as he does what he did last year, I see another guy that he, I think he will start at full season ball, but I could see him maybe not immediately, you know, maybe 
you know, we see like a guy like Colby Aller where he kind of took a month down at extended spring and then got moved up. I could kind of see that with him, but he hit really, really well. And if he puts together a good spring next year, he will definitely be at full season ball. Another guy to mention, Caden Morton, very, very raw, a ton of athletic talent. If we're talking athletic, pure athletic talent, he's up there with any player in the system. He just isn't hitting right now. And if the bat ever comes, that is a guy that could play, but there's a lot of uh, development that has to happen with that bat. He's only 20 years old. Plenty of time. He just has to hit. Yeah. Uh, I want to mention, you know, obviously I'm, I was, I'm, I'm still hopeful for Paolini. I really do love the overall athleticism, but then the package there, uh, definitely had some at bats were just absolutely brutal. He looked better in August. That was his best month statistically by a significant margin. But beyond that, just looked overmatched, just looked like he was guessing a lot of times up there. Uh, has a lot of work to do, but is a guy that we like the overall athletic package. But Tyler Collins, I think, is a leading candidate for there. He's going to do something on the base paths that is going to elicit a like group WTF response because that kid is crazy fast. And I can see him like on like a shallow ball, like a, a flare to like right field or something, and he like takes an extra base when he has no business doing so. And he, like he has that kind of speed. You know, when, I, I don't think it's ever fair when they start like talking about like this. You know, this kid has like kind of the skill set of like a uh, Kenny Lofton uh, was one name that got thrown out there on draft night and things like that. I you know that's a little bit too lofty for me. Uh, and there were certainly some strikeouts. Uh, in his in his pro debut, which is completely understandable for a high school kid, but when you're one of these overslot picks and you kind of have like a really interesting skill set like this kid has, again, I'm with you. I don't see him hitting a bunch of home runs. I think that there's a little bit more room for some more power on there without sacrificing the speed too much. But you know what you're going to get out of him is he has to hit. Uh, he's going to have to hit and really hit to kind of have that kind of overall profile. But, you know, if he can continue to stay patient at the plate and, and, you know, just do things on the base paths, I think that that's a really, really exciting player to watch. And I think that that's what the Braves need right now is just guys, particularly on the position player side, in the lower minors, that can change games with a tool or tools, and they just don't have a ton of that right now. They just don't. And, you know, you're, you know they're, they're certainly going to get, take some lottery tickets on some guys, but this seems like a really fascinating kid that they, they picked where they picked him uh, as, like, kind of their choice as their overslot high school guy in the 2021 draft. Really excited to see what he does. I think he's going to end up in full season ball. I think he's going to end up there. Uh, he hit well enough, uh, played 23 games down there. Maybe they, keep, maybe they keep him extended, but I think it might be more likely that they just give him a shot at low A. Uh, considering the level of competition that he's going to be up against, at least early on next season. I don't think that's, that's particularly weird. I don't, I don't think that he needs to like be moved to high A or anything like that, but I think that he's good enough to get to low A and kind of see what he can do because again, really, really exciting debut, really exciting skill set. Very curious to see kind of what he does going forward because in terms of like the low minors, in terms of position player, pro, position player prospects, he's the guy right now. And he, uh, obviously, uh, when, uh, once, uh, <laughs> Once you know the, some of the international guys that are going to be coming up, uh, that are going to be joining Augusta in theory uh, in 2022, we're going to be able to see kind of where they are in terms of their overall development. But you know, for the early season for Augusta, Tyler Collins is the guy that I'm really going to be kind of keeping my closest eye on. Well, Garrett, do you have anything else you want to share with folks before we let them go? 
No, I'm good to no, I'm good to go. All right. Well, I want to appreciate tell everyone that I appreciate all of you for your listening, both listening to all the podcasts that we've been putting on the stream. If you want to make sure you don't listen to a single episode, make sure you listen to. Are you there? Okay. Sorry, I thought Garrett was actually trying to say something. Um, so uh, make sure you, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure you listen to the, you subscribe to the Talking Shop podcast feed, uh, whatever your preferred podcast purveyor is. That'd be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Spotify, SoundCloud, we're on all those platforms. Just search Talking Chop. You'll get this podcast. You'll also get the Talking Chop flagship program, and you'll get the Daily Hammer. Uh, obviously, news on the Brave side of things is going to be pretty light for the coming couple of couple of months as we kind of deal with these CBA negotiations. And we're going to try our best to chip in here and there. Have you guys some minor league content? We'll do some mailbag episodes here and there just to kind of keep you guys apprised and everyone engaged and talking about baseball as opposed to hoping that we have to hear some some news about you know baseball actually happening next year. We want to thank you all so much. Make sure you're looking on the site at TalkingChop.com. We're rolling out our review series, which is not only the Major League side where we're reviewing all the Major League players that made appearances for the 2021 World Champion Braves. But also on the minor league side, we're reviewing basically our entire top, top 30 Braves prospect list, as well as a few other key guys who didn't quite make the list or had made, you know, debuts in the draft and things like that. We want to make sure we highlight those guys. Thank you all so much for the support on the site. Make sure, thank you so much for all your support on the podcast. Until next time, we'll see you on the road.